KG, and this is not safe for network. There's nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. What's in the box? What's in the box? Montucky Skies. Welcome to Montucky Skies. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Oh, doing all right. Cold. Just yeah. cold. Oh, my God. Yeah, in Montana right now, or at least in Helena, it dropped down to... It was nine degrees when I took the kids to school, eight degrees on my way back from taking them to school, and then it was four degrees picking them up from school. And it's three now, plus the wind chill. It's three right now? Three. Ugh. Yeah, that wasn't even with wind chill earlier today, so who knows? Ugh. It is fucking miserable over here. We didn't get snow. We didn't get any snow that stuck until, what, yesterday? Yeah, Sunday night, Monday morning. And I went to bed at 11.30 at night, and I there was not a drop of snow, and I woke up and, I don't know, a foot? Maybe uh, a foot? It was like three inches. Three inches? That feels like a foot. <laughs> I did a lot of shoveling. I did a lot. I spent two hours shoveling at work on Monday. It was... Ugh. Yeah, I guess I guess a foot isn't accurate, but you know how the first snow always feels so much worse than it really is. Yeah, because you always get that temperature break, like the wet, it's what we call a cold snap. It just like it's just like super cold all of a sudden. Ugh, it's the worst. But the bright side to it was I got my Rogue One tickets. We Wait. have ours on order, so. You have yours. What do you mean? Like we bought them through Fandango. Or, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, we did too. Yeah, um, had an interesting, interesting time with that because my mom's coming to visit, and we we're trying to figure out a time when all of us and like River and everybody could go to the show, and it wasn't until Sunday evening, and I was so bummed out because I'm just like. You don't understand, like, this is going to get spoiled for me. Like, it just will. I can't, like, I'll forget at some point and get on something on the internet and something huge will come out and it'll totally ruin it for me. And my wife was being so nice and she was like, why don't you just order one for Thursday night? Like, <laughs> why don't you just get one for yourself on Thursday? Like, you're probably going to see it twice anyway. And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to see it at least <laughs> twice. So, so, uh, I got, so we got our tickets on Thursday for like the big XD 3D screens. And then I got another one for the XD <laughs> 3D screen. Best seat that I could get at that time for 10 o'clock on Thursday. So Yeah, I think that's where we're going to. Oh, 10 o'clock on Thursday? Yeah. Where's your seats at? I don't know. Like second row up in the balcony, like middle of the theater. Nice. Yeah, that... Yeah, I'm in the middle. I'm in dead center in the middle. Um, that was the best seat available when I ordered tickets the other night. So it was like two nights ago that I ordered tickets. So my favorite in that particular theater is the very back in the middle because you are dead center of the screen when you're in, in the in those seats. And so it's great because you watch it and you're just like, like dead center. 
such a great seat. You don't have to like lift up your head or anything. Like it's right there, all perfectly laid out for you. I'll have to raise my head a tiny bit, but not too much. So the uh, when we went and saw Force Awakens the second time here in Helena, we went and like I bought tickets for uh, I think it was a seven o'clock show or something like that. And we went to dinner before that, so we were rushed through dinner to get, and then went and got went to the theater. And you couldn't pre-order like where you saw us got seeds. Uh huh. So yeah, we, yeah. we were like That's one of the last have. people in. So we got like the shittiest seats in the house, <laughs> way on the side. Probably They're, they were in the very front row very side oh my god those are the worst seats just craning your neck up into the left yeah so like the kennedy assassination <laughs> yeah so you like all of the 3d stuff is completely useless oh yeah it was it wasn't good <laughs> yeah but i had just seen it like a couple days earlier on in uh imax so yeah i hadn't figured out um no, I guess I had figured out the perfect seats by that point because it was James Bond that I saw it by accident. Like there were some seats in the middle. Like I was looking for anything in the middle by myself when I went to go see Spectre, and uh, like the only stuff, the only stuff in the middle was in the very back. So I sat in the very back, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is the perfect seat!" Once it started, <laughs> and so ever since then, I'd like obsessively try and get that that seat if I can, but. uh yeah, it, it was interesting. When I went to L.A., every single theater I went to, I went and saw, I think, four movies. Um, every movie I went to was you would buy the ticket and then they would, like, show you where the seats were and you had to pick your seat, like, just like they do now. Yeah. And so I remember, like, being really annoyed by that the first time because I got, like, a shitty seat because I didn't understand, like, which ones were taken or which ones weren't. And I didn't understand what I was doing for a second. So I like panicked and just got shitty seats. And by the way, there's only like three people in the theater. So after a little bit, I was like, I bet I can get away with just sneaking to the seat that I want. And yeah, it was fine. Cause I went and saw Force Awakens for like the fourth time, <laughs> 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 like right outside of Disneyland. And I got good seats. And like Deadpool, I got pretty good seats too. Cause I'd already been in there for Force Awakens. So. I got like optimal seats for Deadpool because I was pretty quick on the draw on that one. Nice. <clears throat> yeah. And there's their optimal seats are closer to the front, but I cannot describe how great the theaters were in Los Angeles. Like I went to three different movie theaters and they were all amazing. Like just absolutely amazing. So um, I'm glad that they brought the assigned seating out. I hope that they start doing it for just like, I don't know, just showing up to the movie. Because it is nice, like, when you know the layout of the thing, it's nice to, like, be able to, like, get your concessions and shit like that and, like, not have to worry about somebody taking your seat. Yeah. The first time I ran into the preferred seating was in Spokane at the IMAX. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying, oh, that was a Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. And we got... We just like, oh, these look good. And they actually turned out to be really good seats. Oh, good. <laughs> you didn't panic like I did. <laughs> no. Well, it was funny because I thought about like ordering the seats before or buying tickets before. And I'm like, no. Cause the, so I'm getting on my phone, going through the app, and I'm like, 
what's this fucking preferred seating? And I'm like, screw it. I'll just get tickets there. And get tickets there. And he's like, well, what seats would you like? And there was like a little touch screen at the, where you buy tickets. And I'm like, uh, these look good. <laughs> um, apparently Rogue One is outselling Force Awakens for pre-sale tickets right now. That's crazy. Yeah. And so the thing is, the thing to keep in mind is that it was pretty new, like the advanced tickets, like not a lot of people were doing it, but it was the only way you could see Force Awakens for like the first, well, here it was at least the first two weeks. Like you had to order them ahead of time. You just could not get a seat anywhere. Like they were straight up sold out with pre-sale for the first couple of weeks. Um, at least that's what the theater manager was telling me. So I never like actually checked in on that, but <laughs> that's what I heard anyway. Um, and then, yeah, anyway, that that's not interesting. But um, like, so if you keep in mind that people are more used to it, I think that sort of lends to why it's outselling Force Awakens. But I can't imagine this movie is going to outsell Force Awakens, right? I don't think so but yeah i mean like i think it's gonna be a hit no doubt about it because it outsold everything else like in history and pre-sales so far so right away you're probably looking at a hundred million dollar opening weekend or something crazy yeah something fucking crazy huge we'll find out when we get there but um it's interesting I, i wonder how well you think this movie will crack a bill probably what did the last one do it did like two billion something i'm pretty sure it crossed the two billion mark it was like the second all-time highest um just under avatar which like i i think it was like 2.1 and avatar was like 2.7 or something like that but um, I don't, I don't expect this to go to two bills, but I bet it crosses a billion. That's, I could see that. That's a fucking success, man. <laughs> like Disney bought Star Wars for four billion from George Lucas, and uh, Force Awakens was like two bills, and then you like you factor in all the merchandising and stuff. I bet that they broke even by the first movie. When you consider like comic books and books and all the licenses, and did all they stuff. retain? So did they buy all the licensing for merchandising on that too? Yeah. Yeah, they have all the licensing. The only thing that they don't have that I'm aware of is they don't have the rights to the original trilogy right now. And I'm not sure about the prequels. I'm guessing they have those too. But they don't have the original trilogy for a couple more years and then the rights revert to them. So I think it's still like Fox or something that's getting a bunch of that money. So, But it will revert to Disney in a couple of years. That's why like when you're hearing all the people bitching about like, well, Disney's got it now. Let's release those movies without all the special edition stuff. <laughs> they can't. They can't right now until they have the rights. Like Disney doesn't see a penny from, from Star Wars Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi. They see it from the merch, but not from like the actual movies so uh this has been ip talk (laughs) i wanted to ask you one question real quick yeah i'm gonna set up play a little clip for you and i gotta ask you a question okay now we've all heard this song 
You Rick rolled me. <laughs> so, Rick Astley, how much do you think he made on that song? $12. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> if it makes you feel better the first time I read that, my initial instinct was like, $10,000. And then I thought about it a little further before reading the answer, and I was like, nothing. Because then I started to think, like, maybe he didn't write the song and doesn't, like, see anything, got screwed on the publishing or whatever. But, yeah, apparently it's $12. $12. Right? He got paid scale for recording. <laughs> <laughs> so awful, dude. Can you imagine that being a one-hit wonder, and then it's just like, all right, there you go. <laughs> You get nothing. Barely pays for the cab ride home. <laughs> Dude, he with that money, he can't buy a like a DVD. Like a, a fucking a, he can't buy a he DVD. He can't buy he can't buy the CD of his video. No. <laughs> well, he might or, be able to. That's probably one of those like bargain bin <laughs> ones, right? <laughs> Not retail. No. no. <laughs> the three dollar bin he can probably buy it on itunes that's about the best he's gonna do (laughs) that's so awful man twelve dollars at least he seems like he has a sense of humor about it but you know that shit is eating him up inside could you imagine like every time that video gets played i mean that video gets played a lot (laughs) and he sees nothing What's funnier, the fact that he got $12 for that video or the fact that I knew it was $12 and you were <laughs> setting this up for me? <laughs> I think it's a fact you knew it was $12. <laughs> I just read it yesterday. <laughs> That's so funny that we like, that you read that and like thought of that. And I even thought of it too, but I forgot to write it into the notes because I thought about mentioning that too. <laughs> Yeah, you can't. If it had been earlier in the week, you would have totally got me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back to Rogue One. (laughs) So apparently, 28 minutes of Rogue One was screened for critics, and I'm hearing nothing but good things so far. Like, people are really digging it. They're saying it really is like a war movie in the Star Wars universe. Apparently, Gareth Edwards, who is the director and did Godzilla and did uh, this movie called Monsters, that's pretty good. Uh, I think we did a real roulette on Monsters, actually. Um, So people are just saying, like, reshoots or no, like, this is a great movie, which sort of lent to what I figured at the time, which was that people were making a bigger deal out of it. Like, it felt like with Suicide Squad, it was a desperation thing because they cut a trailer from what I understand of every joke in that movie and then refilm stuff to make it a funnier movie, which when you're changing the tone of a movie that really fucks with it. Yeah. But like Disney, it's a regular thing that they do. They just film reshoots on everything. They're like, let's get this a little bit better, a little bit tighter. Let's tweak this, you know? Yeah. Every Marvel movie does it. Every Disney movie that's like live action does it. Like I, yeah, I think people are making a big deal out of nothing with this. They did it with Force Awakens and nobody said shit. 
we were all just too worried that it was going to be another prequel. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that it would be that caliber. So, But speaking of that, uh, George Lucas called Gareth Edwards after the screening because it was at Skywalker Ranch. Which is weird that he called him up and talked to him. Doesn't it seem weird that he didn't just like come up and talk to the director? Maybe he was busy with the press afterwards and didn't get a chance, but it seems a little odd. But um, <clears throat> he was saying that he really liked Rogue One. Like He was excited to see it because somebody did a lot of special effects under him, Was like kind of came up with the seed of the idea for Rogue One, and then Gareth Edwards sort of... They they were like, do you want to do this? And he shepherded it from that point on. But apparently George Lucas was pretty impressed and enjoyed it. So that's good because he didn't seem to enjoy Force Awakens. Yeah. <laughs> he started out like talking a good game and then it just like devolved into like you could see George was just hitting the whiskey and just be like, it's like a divorce, Star Wars is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. He started out like very nice and like cordial and just kept going and getting more bitter about it. So it was nice to hear him like speak nice about Rogue One. Worries me a little bit that he's totally on board though, considering. His yeah, case true. You know, I was talking with my daughter the other day about that same interview with George Lucas. I'm like, that's good and bad at the same it's the gift and the curse <laughs> yeah because george lucas likes his prequels <laughs> he probably loves them so i mean i'd take his opinion on it with a grain of salt <laughs> yeah i so i will say i think i think it's a good thing though um i think george lucas has been pretty good about when other people are taking the torch of the Star Wars stuff, he's been pretty good at like handing off things and then watching people and like letting them do their thing, you know, like expanding that universe. Like he did a lot of that. He created the sandbox and did a lot of let a lot of people play with it. I think his problem with the prequels, like I've thought about this a lot. And Lord knows there's an evolution of our conversation talking about the prequels <laughs> over the history of this podcast, but I really think it it just came down to the simplest thing that is so obvious that I'm sure everybody has thought of at some point, which is I think he didn't have anybody to tell him no. And so he yeah. just didn't like he didn't have stuff to bounce off of anymore. Like like he had to get funding for Star Wars, right? Like um Yeah. He had to get funding, he had to get people to sign on, he had to get people on board. A lot of people still didn't like it before it came out. And, like, I think Spielberg was the only one who was like, it's great. It's a masterpiece. Like, as soon as he saw everybody else, all his director friends thought it was awful. Although he hadn't put in the soundtrack yet. So, I tracked on something we are saying last year about the sound. Or, I guess it was last summer when we started the Facebook Live videos. But, like, the, the music in that movie elevates it, you know. Um, but, uh he he needed somebody to tell him no he needed like an honest soundboard and i just don't think it was around him anymore yeah, yeah i can see that like uh were we talking on the podcast about his thing with crystal skull uh so i read something that said he had an argument with harrison ford and uh because harrison ford is a producer at this point and so he was having a story meeting with uh with 
Harrison Ford and Steven Spielberg and he was talking about the lead line fr- fridge scene and wanted to do it and they had sort of an argument about it and it was like right at the end of the thing and so they thought it was dropped because they were just like that's not a good idea George and they, they sort of went to like they thought it was a done deal and then when they met for the next story meeting he had a binder of 30 pages like explaining why he thought the lead line refrigerator worked and made sense and was good for the movie and they were just like didn't want to like argue with him because he put together a binder so they just let it be in the movie and like that's a problem you got to be able to tell george no like really good at ideas but like when we were breaking down that raiders story for bigs on film like he came up with the majority of that but like there was a lot of times where he would just go too far with something and then lawrence kasdan or spielberg would sort of rein him in and be like, ah, maybe we drop that and we emphasize this, you know? Yeah. And because they were all on equal footing, it worked, you know? But, ugh. <laughs> I'm just glad. I'm glad, like, where Star Wars is at right now. I'm glad George is able to let go. I'm glad he hasn't gone on a drunken Donald Trump Twitter rant yet in the middle of the night <laughs> talking about Rogue One. So it's a good thing. <laughs> Are you excited for this? Do you think it's going to be good? I think it's going to be good. I'm just kind of just hanging out. <laughs> are you like avoiding reading things about it for the most part? Or are you like partaking a bit? I I know at this point last year, we were definitely like all of us universally, you, me, and Adrian were like trying to actively not read things about Force Awakens. I'm pretty much been on blackout almost yeah i read a little bit but yeah i at this point i want to read anything more no because anything that comes out i mean at this point is gonna be a spoiler i feel there's a kevin smith theory do you want to hear it not really no are you sure it's just a kevin smith theory it's not like he has inside information or anything I feel like you're going to hit me with it anyway. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) So this is Kevin Smith's theory. This is not mine, but I could totally see potential validity in it. So he was pointing out that for the young Han Solo movie, they casted Amelia Clark for it. And so he's pointing out that like, you look at like Daisy Ridley and then the lady in Rogue One, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. And uh, Amelia. And they're all like, they all look a little bit similar. They're all like white English girls. And so his theory is that, so like, Lean, uh, not Lena, I was going to say Lena Headley. <laughs> no, wrong one. Wrong Game of Thrones actress. But, uh, Amelia Clark's character is like a grandmother to Ray because this takes place a little bit backwards, right? So like sometime when like Obi-Wan was alone in the planet and so thinks that maybe Obi-Wan is a father, which is a, in a, a theory already, but this has been fleshed out more. So Amelia Clark was like the grandmother and then this girl in Rogue One is going to be the mother of Ray. Which explains why maybe she was left on this planet and like not taken care of. And then, then you got Ray as the third in line. 
Like for the little tiny, tiny window that we've seen, it would make sense. And it would also make sense if you're building a bigger universe that you do have these standalone movies sort of click into the plot, even though they don't click in, they give you just a little bit of backstory to like answer and maybe get people excited who maybe weren't going to see rogue one. And they're like, hold on what? When that word hits their ear, you know, and then they, they go to the theater. What do you think? What's your reaction? How many people have are undecided about rogue one at this point? My wife, like she's totally going because I like was buying tickets and made clear I was gonna buy it, but she thinks it might not be good. She's in the might not be good camp. I just can't see that. Uh my friend Eli Eller is not gonna go to it. He says like to him Star Wars is about Jedi, and so he doesn't want to see a movie that doesn't have any Jedi in it. But it does have Jedi in it. Does it's it? Got the blind guy. I don't know. Well, the blind Asian And he said guy. he might be a Jedi, but I don't know, man. I didn't see a lightsaber. I thought I did. Oh, I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Very well could be a Force user. I don't know. I, I do think that there's some people that just aren't interested in the expanded universe like they are the continuing story, you know? But... Even if that's not a motivator for doing this, like, do you think it's it's a viable theory? It could possibly be there. I just do you think it's likely <laughs> not knowing shit like we don't know? <laughs> likely, anything's likely. I I just not buying into it at this point. Okay, all right. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> I don't. I don't think but that's I, I just, what it is. I don't like to hammer expectations like that. Yeah. I don't think that's what it is. I feel like whoever the... <clears throat> whatever's going on with Ray will be revealed maybe in the next episode. Maybe in the one after. Prob- I mean, it'll be one of those two. I'm pretty sure. But I don't think that's it. I think the standalones are just standalones and that's what they are. And maybe they'll like have a character in Rogue One that we'll see in the next episode or maybe one that's in The Force Awakens. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're just like, oh, hey, there's BB-8. <laughs> <laughs> BB-8 had a whole run of stuff before this. You know? Oh, that's like, what Max von Sydow has been doing. Yeah, that's what the fuck he was talking <laughs> about. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. If that, well, you couldn't do Max von Sydow. It's like too many years, right? You could have a young whatever that character is. Well, he's but he's from Alderaan, so he ages like a like a normal person, I think. But Leia is still alive, and yeah, he's a Leia, hell of a lot older than Leia is. Leia is technically from uh, Naboo, sorta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and tattooing, she's got half tattooing and half. Yeah. Naboo. Although it seems like they're the same race. They never really address that, do they? <laughs> they're pretty much just humanoid. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty much humanoid. In the uh, Timothy Zahn books, they explored a little bit about how em- the Emperor, like, basically his whole military, he would only promote humans. Like, he wouldn't promote you know, any, any other looking type of creature, which I guess is like how they justified like 
you know, the fact that in those movies there's always like British people everywhere. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You gotta have some sort of work around, I guess. <laughs> you know how hard it is to buy like stormtrooper outfits for all sorts of different creatures. Yeah, it's gotta be tough to fit them all on. <laughs> That's why they got an entire army of the same guy. <laughs> Well, speaking of different creatures, <clears throat> go to another Disney property here. So, Vin Diesel was recently in an interview with Screen Junkies and was asked if we'd ever see Spider-Man or, or Groot in a movie together. Um, I'm going to say right away, it's going to be Infinity War, right? Like, don't yeah. we kind of know that already? I know they haven't said Spider-Man's in Infinity War, but fucking come on. He's in Infinity War, right? You see, it has to be. Yeah, and we know for a fact the Guardians of the Galaxy are in Infinity War. So um, I'm just going to say right away, flawed question. Like, you lose your nerd card. But he got a good response from Vin Diesel, which was him saying, that's an interesting question. I think if it's up to James Gunn, you're going to see a good more, or a, a Groot Rocket movie after Avengers Infinity War. I think that's highly possible. We shall see. I know that somewhere in the universe you're going to see Groot and Hulk battle. I know it. You can write it somewhere. You're going to see that poster, Groot versus Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Do we think that Groot's going to fight Hulk? This is, before you answer, have you seen the footage of Vin Diesel on stilts doing the voice of Groot because he wants to feel like Groot when he's doing the voice? (laughs) No. <laughs> I just saw this this week. <laughs> no, I haven't seen that, but that sounds amazing. So understand that there's a level of insanity in whatever Vin Diesel says. <laughs> Do we think this is actually going to be a thing, Groot versus Hulk? I think so. I, I, I feel like they really want to get into that Planet Hulk stuff. Oh, yeah, that's a... Maybe in, well, no, because that would happen in Ragnarok, right? See, that's where I've heard a lot of rumors, and so far it's all just been clickbait shit that I've stumbled upon. Well, we talked about, um, is it Meek? The the kind of bug-like character from Planet Hulk is in Ragnarok. Like, we know that for a fact. The director talked about it. So that lends to the, like... That character only exists for Planet Hulk and for uh, uh, World War Hulk, like nothing else in the comics. Like that's what he's there for. And so that sort of lends to the idea. So maybe Groot slipped into into Thor Ragnarok and we just don't know. But wouldn't it be baby Groot then? Uh, it would have to be based on the timeline it's at right now. Okay, so who do we think wins in Hulk or Groot? Let's start with with uh, full grown Groot. Full go- grown Groot. <sighs> I'm gonna say Hulk. I gotta go Hulk because yeah. I just don't see any like really vulnerabilities to Hulk. Yeah, he gets angry and he gets bigger. And like, he gets bigger and more invincible as he gets angrier. Now, now, baby Groot. <laughs> because of course we saw the trailer for guardians of the galaxy too if you haven't seen it yet the new trailer stop what you're doing and watch it now i i'm not i'm not like trying to build this up or anything this is honestly what i feel 
I think it's my favorite trailer I've ever seen in my life. It's like it makes me gotta be top three. Yeah, like there's so many funny things in that trailer. It's just (laughs) the whole thing between like the back and forth between Rocket and Groot is just absolutely hilarious. Like seriously, just pause this and watch the trailer. Even if you've seen it, just pause it really quick. Yeah, just watch it it again because if you don't laugh for the next three minutes, you're doing it wrong. Dude, and Groot is so goddamn adorable in that. <laughs> Don't press that button or you will nuke everything and we will die. And then like he goes to Groot. press the Yeah, goes to press the button. He's like, No, not that button. Now repeat after me. I am Groot. I, I am Groot. Groot. I am Groot. Yeah, you have to press the button again. <laughs> and then when he like the funniest part of that is when he like like there's some blaster fire or something, and Star Lord says something to uh, Rocket, and he looks over and he looks back, and you see Baby Groot running into a hole with like the fucking with the ball. <laughs> like that. That group had a hard enough time pulling together as it is, and now they got to wrangle an infant. Like <laughs> this movie looks so good; it looks so funny. Oh, and then the scene at the end with uh, Mantis and uh, Drax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was equally as funny. Uh close. <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. I gotta put the baby like if it thing. if it wasn't like. And the, I think that's what was really great about it. If it wasn't Drax's over the top like personality, yeah, like, it would be it would be a nothing scene. What is up with him? Because like in the first movie, he's so dour, and like he comes to appreciate him at the end. But now it's just like he's like super big, lovable, laughable <laughs> guy. You know what I mean? Like he's Drax the Destroyer. <laughs> And he seems to have a lot of belly laughs in the two trailers that we've seen. I love it. Like, this looks great. The only thing that I don't like that I've seen out of the trailers is it seems like Gamora has a very um, reduced role. And I'm sure, like, in the movie, she's got way more to do. But she's just, like, the person in the distance that, like, Star-Lord is pining for at this point. Got strong sexual feelings for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This is going to be such a great movie. I'm so excited for this. I was slightly more excited for like Thor Ragnarok hearing the buddy cop like Hulk Thor thing. But now it's like swung right back to Guardians of (laughs) Galaxy 2. I'm very excited for this. And anyway, um, a, a little more Marvel news crossing over into Sony here. Spider-Man, he's got web wings on his costume. I guess they showed a little clip to some critics and um, like uh, Tony Stark's bodyguard played by John Favreau, Happy Hogan. He like, I guess he hands Peter Parker his new Spider-Man suit and it's got the little like like when Spider-Man has his arms up, sometimes the artist, depending on the artist, draws like webbing in there that like helps him glide. And so they got it on his costume. So that's kind of like a fun little thing that they haven't done in the movies yet. 
I just like those little things I like, like that the Civil War thing that had the thing on his belt that showed the the Spider Man symbol, and that shows up in the comics sometimes. Not as much anymore, but it used to when I was a kid a lot. Like he would see criminals in an alley, and he would just turn on the light, and they'd be like, "What the?" And then he would like kick him in the face, say some <laughs> smart ass comment, right? So I I like that they're like actually just they're like, hey, like we know all the stuff you haven't done with Spider-Man yet and we're going to do it. So I kind of like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad they're really like pushing the boundaries of Spider-Man. Yeah. I like that. There's the fact that like they got happy Hogan and stuff in there too, means that there's like Iron Man probably has more than just a passing cameo in that movie, which is fun. If that's the case. I mean, when you're introducing, like, his bodyguard into it, too, that makes me think that he's going to have, like, a meaty role in this. I hope. Because that would be fun. Like, an Iron Man, Spider-Man, like, movie. Like, you know, (laughs) of course, Spider-Man will be the main character. But it's fun to, like, have him actually have a meaty part. Not just, like, hey, here you go. Here's some web shooters. See you later. (laughs) Like, fly (laughs) off, you know. Like, I like that they're actually, like, pulling out all the stops, you know. Yeah, and developing a story out of it is kind of what I like out of it. Yeah. Uh, Moving on from Spidey. So, Michael Bay, did you hear the big Michael Bay news? That he will never touch a Marvel movie? Marvel or DC movie, yeah. He likes to build his own world. Okay, this is the grandiose shit he gets into, though, because he's talking about this, and he's like, Steven Spielberg builds his own world. He said, uh, uh, Martin Scorsese builds his own world. I just want to build my own world. And it's like, dude, first off, never, ever put yourself in a sentence with Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese again. (laughs) Unless it's like, I wish I could be as good as Steven Spielberg or Martin Scorsese, but I like blowing things up too much. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was the most egotistical way to put it. God, I'd seen they just dropped a new uh, Transformers 5 trailer today. Yeah, or I yesterday. watched it because I don't care. And I'm just like, oh. Isn't it something with like Bumblebee fighting Optimus Prime? Fuck, I don't know. I would have been excited for this when I was like six. You know, it was one of those things I uh, I was really excited for the first one. And then I saw it and I'm like. Oh, what did you do? (laughs) What did you do? (laughs) And I think I've seen one more of the movies. I I couldn't even tell you which one. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I'm so done with this shit. Um, I'm done with it. My brother made me watch the first one, and I think I got two-thirds of the way through it with him because I kept telling him I didn't want to watch it. And I'm like, no. He's like, no, you got to just watch it. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I know exactly what this is. I don't want to watch it. And like, he's like, what is it? And I like broke it down for him. He's like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to watch that. Like, I don't like Michael Bay. And so finally he said he'd watch something if I watched it with him. I was like, fine. Yeah. And I got like two thirds of the way through it and we got interrupted. But like he could tell I just didn't like it. And I think he started to like it less watching me watch it. And so, like, he never pressed, like, getting back into it and watching it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, God. it was one of those things I watched, I watched the first one in the theater just, just on a hope. Mm-hmm. 
because I really enjoyed Transformers and I watched a lot of the other Transformers TV shows yeah, when I was like in college. Beast Wars yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, I watched Beast Wars in college, so I was like, I'm gonna give it a shot, and it was like, oh, this is just terrible. <laughs> Yeah, I felt And like- I watched one of the other ones, and it was one of those things. I took my wife's truck in to get a new stereo installed. So while they were installing it, I was just walking around like the little, it was in the bread audio. So they just have like this home theater set up where they're trying to get you to buy stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I had like two hours to kill. And it, while I'm waiting for this, my truck to be fixed. And so I just sat down and watched this, and I'm like, oh, this is such garbage. Garbage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I hear you. Um, yeah, I just I, I dropped out on Transformers when I was a kid. I don't know. Like, I watched the first cartoon that they had. Um, like, I remember it used to be back-to-back with G.I. Joe all the time, like, where I lived. But they were both, like, Hasbro cartoons. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was just what they did. But I just, like, I watched it then, and then I just, I don't know. They kept putting out shows, and I never saw them for a little while. And then I remember being at your house, and you mentioning, like, oh, yeah, Beast Wars. Like, it's it's like Transformers. And I was like, oh, really? And, like, watching an episode, I'm thinking, like, this is all right. But what I could not get past was, like, the CGI cartoon and uh, I just, it fucking bothered me. It was many, many years before I could watch that kind of animation on like a, a regular cartoon. It didn't even feel right in the theaters for a while. Like for some reason, my brain just won't accept those cartoons. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that was probably just yeah. my thing, but it just like, it felt odd. And I didn't, like I wasn't quite ready to go out of two dimensions in my cartoons yet <laughs> if for whatever that may you know what i mean like it was just something about them didn't feel right i feel like toy story was like the only thing i was able to roll with until some point in the 2000s and then i've been able to retroactively go back and watch some stuff but yeah that was i forgot that was a 3d's animation uh the beast wars yeah 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 that that's the only reason i didn't watch it because it was on a lot like after i knew what it was but i was just like ah i can't watch this like it was just a hang-up that i had i don't know i don't i didn't really get that because i've watched so many different styles of animation yeah this is not look dude i'm well aware that i was the one behind the curve like i know that it was just a weird thing that I had. Like it didn't look. You know, right there were s- there were some like, and I'm thinking of a couple of movies off the top of my head. The 3D animation just it was so off that it pulled you out of the movie. Yeah, that's like what, that's what happened to me all the time too. What I was it? The movie uh, Beowulf Wolf with uh, Angelina Jolie. I didn't see that. Or one. like, uh, what was the other one? Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. I haven't watched that one, so not worth watching. I I had it on my no. queue for Netflix literally for years and just never got around to watching it. I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I couldn't even, I'm not even sure I watched the whole thing. It, it wasn't good. Yeah. But 
Some of that early 3D animation was not very good. Just kind of garbage. Yeah. And it, like it was, it was, they put a lot of work into it and were lifelike, but it was just enough off that you could tell and it pulled you out. Yeah. But I think you hit on it a little bit earlier when you said like it just like pulled you out. Like it wasn't, I don't think it was phoniness that pulled me out. It was just not being used to the animation the same way that, um, like I, when anime became really popular in the States, I could not roll with anime. I still I couldn't. Yeah. I just didn't like, the I mean, there has been of parts of it that I have watched that I've enjoyed, but for the most part, I don't fucks yeah. with it. See, I'm tolerant with it now, but like, I was just like, I could not even tolerate. I just hated the way that it was drawn. And I remember for a while, comic books were starting to go into like an anime style and it just bugged the shit out of me. And I started like not reading comics nearly as much just because it, it fucking bothered me, man. Like I'd be reading a Spider-Man and they'd have like really big eyes and stuff. And I was like, ah, this is not, <laughs> this is not at all what I want to look at. No. Cause Zach hit on this before, like years ago, we were talking about this, about the art in a comic book and like on, on like a cerebral level, I'm like, the art doesn't matter that much. It's a story. But what I find myself doing, if I'm honest about it, is like I will look at like the cover of a book and then I'll sort of flip inside and see if the art sort of matches the cover. And then if it's like a character I like, I'll grab it. But like I have a real hard time, even if it's a writer I like, if the art is not something that I like, it's real, real tough to read, like real tough. And like I, I don't. It's not even something I really think about with the art that much. But it's like the art makes a difference, especially with like a medium like that, you know. And uh, so I felt that with anime, I just felt lost because I had so many friends in the late '90s and early 2000s that just like dove into everything. They were like Vampire Hunter Z and like all of that kind of stuff, and I just I could not roll with them. Like I just didn't like the art. I still don't like it. I'm gonna be honest, but like like I watch Kill Bill, and I'm like, that's a pretty cool sequence. Yeah, they have the anime, but it takes a lot for me to watch any of that for very long. <laughs> and it's nothing against them. It's just like, for whatever reason, that style just doesn't work for me. You know, and I, I hear you on a lot of that. Cause I don't care much for anime at all. I mean, back in the day when I used to have comedy central or not comedy central cartoon network, and mm -hmm. they did a lot of the adult swim. Stuff. Usually the Saturday night was all anime stuff. And I just, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's all adult cartoons nowadays. <laughs> like, and by adult cartoons, I mean like adult cartoon comedies, like off, off weird comedies. Yeah, it's and not even cartoons. It, it seems like a lot of the Adult Swim stuff now was a, a lot of live action, dark humor, off humor. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it's interesting. Uh, because you're building off of some I said, but it's interesting you said that because I was watching. Okay, did you ever watch Tim and Eric? No. Okay, I, I like watched them because my buddy Max. Hey, like, no, it was a little before that. I guess it was in Olympia. Um, I had some friends who were into that show, and I remember watching and just being like, I don't get this. 
but like it was so weird that I would watch it and it would have comedians that I knew on it all the time and it was fucking weird, but I'd just watch it and I'd never laugh. Like every now and then I'd laugh. Like when John C. Riley was on it, his character where he does sports is kind of funny, but it's just fucking weird. And then, so that culminated in me last night watching, um, Tim and Eric's bedtime stories. They only have seven episodes and I ran through three of them back to back to back. And like, I didn't laugh at anything when I was watching it, but it was such a bizarre, dark satire on shows. Yeah. I was just like riveted and watching it, but I watch it like a science experiment. Like (laughs) what's going to happen? Like they have their second episode of that, of that show is a, like they have, Tim and Eric aren't even in it, as far as I can tell. And it's done like an (laughs) anthology horror show. And so, like, basically, they start out this episode, and Bill Odenk, or Bill, Bob Bob Odenkirk, is like cutting off this lady's toes. He's like a doctor, and she's just ready to get her toes cut off. So he starts cutting off, and it's fucking graphic and gross and horrifying. He's like cutting them off, and she goes, What do you do with them when you're done? He goes, Oh, I put them into the into the waste bin over there, and then you know they pick it up and they incinerate it. And then like later, this teenage girl like comes in and she's ready to get her toes clipped off. He's like, "Are you sure you're pretty young?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, they don't do me any good anymore." So he like clips off her toes, and then you see him sort of like in a dark corner, and he's like eating a toe. <laughs> And then, like, he goes with this kid and he goes to get this boat and a cop sees him. And the cop is, like, talking with him. And Bob Odenkirk seems, like, really nervous and stuff. He's like, yeah, I'm sailing. And he's like, oh, okay. And, like, he's like, yeah, we'll have to go sailing sometime. He's like, uh, yeah, sure. And he's sort of trying to rush him out of the office. You know that old trope of, like, the cop who or private detective who's, like, being too friendly. And they have something to hide. So they're trying to, like... Get him out the Get door. Get him out the door, yeah. And so he goes sailing with his son, and then the the cop sees him. And he's like, I thought we were going to go sailing. And like Bob Odenkirk starts to sweat it out. And he's like, you know, it's interesting. I was looking at your ledger, and I was counting the amount of toes you cut. But then I weighed your human waste, and it seemed a little bit light. And he like flips out and jumps into the water and swims off. And then he winds up almost drowning. So the cop goes in and like saves him. And then literally, like, right in front of his son, pulls out a pocket knife, slashes open Bob Odenkirk's stomach, and, like, there's, like, like hundreds of toes that are, like, inside his stomach. He's like, that's what I thought, eating toes. And, like, and then he looks over at the kid and he goes, well, you're my son now. And they go walking off, and I'm like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> wow. Like, it was horrific at every turn. <laughs> It fucking was totally making fun of a very specific thing that I'd watched a lot. So I totally got it. But like there was nothing funny in it to me. It was just real fucked up. But shit was like, I don't know why, but like it was riveting. I could not turn away. Even when he was like clipping the toes off, it was so fucking graphic. And I was like, I don't think I can watch this. But I did, and I finished it. Like, thank God it's all, they're only like seven to eleven minute episodes. But it's a weird show, man. It's a real weird show, and so much of Adult Swim is like that—just fucking weird, off, dark humor. Weird. 
off dark yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry i went off on a weird <sighs> rant there i was gonna watch flash this week and try and get closer to that crossover and like i didn't watch a single episode i watched tim and eric's bedtime <laughs> stories <laughs> I'm almost finished through Arrow season four. I got like two episodes left. Oh, yeah? And then yeah. you start on the fifth season? How's the fourth season treating you? God, it's so bad. It's so, <laughs> so bad. I've heard the fifth is good. Yeah, I've heard good things. And it's funny because I'm like, because I started to dip it a little bit into the DC Legends of Tomorrow and so I'm like, oh, I still have those two episodes of Arrow to watch, but I could watch another DC Legend. <laughs> it's hard when you know you got something better. That's why I don't think I'm ever going to like run through Arrow unless it's a crossover episode because I know The Flash is good and I know Legends of Tomorrow is good and I know Supergirl is good. And I'm just like, why do I want to waste my time with with Arrow? Yeah. I could... Di- I could it, like, if you... I could dip for the second season and just be done with Arrow. Mm-hmm. Like if I could go back in time, but the just completest stop. in me is like, you have to see them all. <laughs> Speaking of the completest in you, did you hear the, the casting news about Lego, the Lego Batman movie? No. So they, they announced who they cast as Two-Face, and it's Billy D. Williams. I did see that. Yeah, and the really cool thing about this is that Billy D. Williams played Harvey Dent in the 1989 Tim Burton Batman movie. Like, he's just a lawyer in that. Yeah. And, like, they don't do anything else. But, like, Billy D. Williams signed on because he was a Batman fan, and he did want to play Two-Face. And so after they dropped Tim Burton out and they went with Joel Schumacher and they just started rehiring everybody, they were just like, no, we're not going to, we're not going to rehire Billy D. Williams. But you know what? <laughs> Here's a nice little addendum to that. And I'm glad he's playing the character now and that they're making it right. But the fun thing about it is Billy D. Williams still got paid. Got nice. paid as much as Tommy Lee Jones did. You know why? Because when he signed the contract, Warner Brothers didn't know shit about their own Batman property (laughs) and didn't understand that Harvey Dent was going to be Two-Face. And so he had a thing on there that was basically like any appearance of Harvey Dent would like get him paid. Like it was basically like a way of strong arming them. Like if they did a sequel to Two-Face, you have to put Billy D. Williams in it. And so they decided they were going to go with Tommy Lee Jones and they weren't going to quit hell or high water. They wanted Tommy Lee Jones because, you know, Joel Schumacher, (laughs) he totally knows what he's doing. So when they went to do Tommy Lee Jones, they were very, very pissed off to find out that they also had to cut an equal check to Billy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm loving it. Yeah, it's pretty great, dude. He struck out at the man. Yeah, you know what? Hats off to you, Billy D, because we didn't have to see you as Two-Face in that shitty movie. Oh, yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> I'd rather see him in this movie. And you get paid, so I'm happy both ways. Um, <clears throat> Speaking of other weird broken continuity, so Alex Kurtzman, who's directing The Mummy... 
Did you see the trailer for The Mummy with no. Tom Cruise? It's actually kind of a good trailer. I gotta say. It's actually the- kind of good. I had no interest in it. And I watched it. And I'm like, this looks kind of interesting. Uh, but he was basically in this big long interview and he was talking about how Dr. Jekyll is in the movie and how they wanted everything to work organically in the movie. Not necessarily like build the universe out is like have everything make sense. So they found a way to make Dr. Jekyll work into this. And he wants to, he wants to do a movie for the creature for the, from the black lagoon for this. So, uh, but they they pressed him a little bit further and they were like, so Dracula Untold's the first movie in this? So you're piggybacking off of that? And he said Dracula Untold is not canon. So they already blew up their movie universe <laughs> and are rebuilding their movie universe. The movie universe nobody cares about has already rebooted. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And by the way, since it's the universal monster universe, I'm calling it Umu from now on. Umu. Umu. That's my thing for it. So, yeah, Umu has already failed, rebuilt, like, like fucking the amazing Spider-Man <laughs> <laughs> to fail wow. on to another day. I just like I it's so funny to me that I'm just gonna keep until they're successful I'm just gonna keep like pushing out universal monster news (laughs) because this umu shit is crazy I keep forgetting it's a thing until you bring it up I know that's what's (laughs) great about it and I only bring it up because it's the funniest most pathetic IP at this point like it totally made them tons of money and worked at one point Nobody's given a shit about Universal Monsters for so long. Like just around Halloween <laughs> time and not even that much then. You know no. what I mean? It's it's I, more like talking with nostalgia, but nobody wants to see another one of those movies. Dude, when I I went to Universal Studios when I was about 13ish and you walk as you're walking around the park there's like different attractions you can go to. And they had like this, uh, basically the Umu monsters like did this song and dance thing. Yeah, I like hearing it out of your mouth. And there's like, no, like even as a little kid, I was like, no, I'm good. Please tell me they weren't doing the monster mash. I don't know. I didn't see the shit. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to go watch Jaws pop out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> Was that universal? Yeah. Is that on the tour? Or was that a Universal movie? Uh, that was. It was on the tour. So not a Universal movie. I, feel I like think it's a maybe, Universal movie. Okay, all right. I felt like that was Paramount for some reason, but what do I know? I didn't even because they have Jaws attractions ago. at both Universal Studios parks. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Because Mallrats to talk about the proposing tour at the Universal tour at the part with Jaws pops out of the water. Yeah, I guess they go through quite a bit more at the the Florida, like it's its own ride. The one in Hollywood is, you go on this tour of the back lot, mm-hmm. and you go through like you go first you go through where like they filmed uh, Back to the Future the yeah. the courthouse where they've done a ton of movies in that set. I was actually watching a documentary. Uh, talking about 
like just all sorts of stuff with Back to the Future. And one of the things I talked about was that the DeLorean was part of the attraction for a while and had just fallen into disrepair. And then eventually it was just in the back lot. And it was just like sitting there rusting, like looking like shit. And then I think somebody who was friends with Robert Zemeckis saw it and was just like, that's not right. And so he like restored the car and sold it to somebody. And so they talked about that. But it's kind of an interesting documentary. And they talked to uh, Dan Harmon because apparently like he did a lot of like he basically... He said, like, he took the idea of Doc Brown and Marty. That's where Rick yeah, and Morty comes from. Yeah, yeah. For, for Rick and Morty. Like, he totally took that inspiration, which I shot through both seasons. Well, the first two. Is there, like, There's only two season? seasons. Okay. The third one's supposed to come out next month, I believe. Damn, so I finished right in time. Yeah, I watched them all, dude. That's a great show. It's fucking hilarious. That's a really fun show, and I'm glad that I didn't watch it till now because I was able to, like, just focus on that show and like watch them kind of straight through and it's the through lines are pretty fun on it yeah i like watching the evolution the only thing i'll say is like the pilot um and a lot of the first season rick belch is a little too much yeah they really (laughs) it took a half a season for them to really ground that show and like figure out where they're going with it and i once they did that that show has been great. Yeah, and even like I would even stick up for the first like it, it they're, made they're, me laugh, they're funny, but the belching was a little too much in the pilot for me. I was just like, oh my god, is this character gonna be like this the whole time? And through that first episode, he was. So I just don't like belching. <laughs> I just don't like it. Like farting and stuff, I can deal with, but like belching is just like disgusting to me. And there's no redeeming quality to belching. Which is perfect for that character, so don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it's like I don't want to like live for God a whole it. half hour with the character who just belches every single word he says. So if you got five minutes to spare, um, look up on YouTube. There's a a mini episode that they didn't do the animation for; they just did the voiceover for. Like they're and it's basically all the the voice actors for it and Dan Harmon like sitting in this room like basically putting together like a five to ten minute like a show like a read through or whatever yeah and it is fucking hilarious and it's it's just weird watching like the the voice actors because both rick and morty are the same voice actor who does the voices uh for some reason the names didn't penetrate it's uh it's something roiland jason roiland okay like I, the only one I really remember is Chris Parnell. Yeah, like very clearly <laughs> is in that show. But that's a really good show. That really, like, you did not overhype that show to me at all. Like, it's pretty good. Uh, a friend of mine was asking me whether it was better than Futurama, and I was like, no. But that's because Futurama's got a bunch of seasons behind it. Yeah. I was like, if you give this show a couple more years, I think it could be better than Futurama. You know what I mean? Like, if you were to, like, compare the first two seasons of this to the first two seasons of Futurama, I'm probably going to pick this show. Like, if I'm... You know, if you just put those two head to head, I could probably... I would stand behind that. Yeah. 
But I mean, Futurama has so many great episodes. It's like you need to give this show a little bit of history before you you do that. But holy fuck, dude! The the last episode of the second season, they like score the entire like last five minutes or so to hurt. I know. Manage nails, and I was like, "That's so awesome!" And they didn't even go the Johnny Cash version; they went with like the Nine Inch Nails version. It made me very happy. Dude, my skin, like you can't see it because I'm wearing like three layers right yeah. now, but I got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> We're such dorks. <laughs> All right, did you have anything else you want to hit before we go out of there? We just uh, made it through another Krampus nut. <laughs> What? Krampus knocked. Is that before Christmas? December 5th is Krampus knocked. Oh. That's when Krampus comes out and spanks all the bad little boys and girls. Ugh. I just. I wish I'd known that. There would have been. <laughs> <laughs> I would have got my Krampus sack ready. <laughs> <laughs> I just finished watching Krampus before we re- like came over to record. How did you feel about that movie? I love that movie. <laughs> I thought it was okay. I was very excited to see it, and then I was like, this isn't what I hoped for, but it's all right. I probably won't watch it again, if I'm being honest. I I just watched it again tonight and laughed almost as much as the first time. Okay. <laughs> so it held up almost a year later. It's probably one of those things I'll watch once a year and... As a Be holiday thing. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I watched it in the summertime. <laughs> yeah. And see, that's why I haven't bought it on Blu-ray or anything. I just watched it on uh, Vudu. But I don't, I didn't buy it because like it came out like a March release. And I'm like, I don't want to watch this in March. I will say I really like the ending of that movie. The ending is really good. I just. Which we won't give away, but like it totally fits the movie. Yeah. And it's one of those things that you can read several different ways. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Hmm. Okay. We're we're just going to cut this off. So if you want to hear spoilers for Krampus, cool. And if not, just, uh, just turn it off. Okay, so what what is the multiple readings you read? I just read that like they were trapped in hell with Krampus, basically, inside those ornaments. What's the other reading? Uh, the other one, there were ones that, um, that the little snow globes was just a window to keep track of this family, like after, like he set oh, reset them behaving. and make sure that they still keep the spirit of Christmas alive. That's interesting. I never thought of that. So, I mean, there was a couple of different ways to look at it. That would have made me less depressed if I thought of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed, like, he just, like, pulled them into hell and they were his now. And he kept them in these ornaments. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Take it easy.
I don't actually have debates on my show. It's called That's Debatable, but I don't really have an affirmative or negative debate, really. It's not a win or loss kind of debate. The way that I've organized the show is to kind of try to talk about arguments um, as opposed to having any one argument in particular. I think talking about arguments is a fun way to have an argument. You're kind of arguing with people as opposed to necessarily against them. A not safe for network podcast. You take that OD, you drink it down to the label. Yeah. You uh, get yourself a funnel from a gas station. <laughs> uh, you then pour sauce in up to where the, the malt just liquor started. Fill her back up. Mm-hmm. So you got yourself a little bit of a buzz on because you just drank about a third of a bottle of malt liquor. Put it inside yourself. Mm-hmm. Experience what we just had the absolute privilege mm-hmm. of experiencing in such a thickening. Yeah. I don't see any way that anyone's ever going to regret this. Yeah. We had a good life. When Wilford Brimley is telling you that that's what he's going to do, you're like, oh, wow, it must be aliens. It's totally because the mustache. Yeah, yeah, believe the mustache, because when he is in the thing and he is missing the mustache. Bad news. There's something about him that's not right. And the characters pick up on it right away and they lock him away. (laughs) You know, the plot suggests it's for other reasons, but he is a man that should have a mustache. And when he doesn't, it codes for strangeness. And just all around wrongness and weirdness. The Alien Movie Project. Hi, I'm Biggs. Check out my podcast, Biggs on Film, where I do insightful commentaries on films that you love. Uh, Gort the Robot, they call him Newt. Yeah, Newt. Like like he's uh, Norwe- like, Norwegian. Yeah, <laughs> he's mostly Norwegian. Mostly. The two fancy skeletons in the back are the worst. Dude. I know, they're the best. <laughs> like, it's no wonder they lost this battle. <laughs> That's a gross-looking punching bag. Dude, oh, I'd yeah, be that worried punching... about getting Seminilla punching that bag. I think he might have given that punching bag salmonella well every now and then it's insightful find us on itunes